Nehemiah chapter 13. Almost sad finishing this book. I've enjoyed the trip. I'll tell you one thing. I wouldn't finish this great book this way. You know, God doesn't even ask us how to write his book. He just writes it. And uh, so tonight's message is the sin of intermarriage. And um, it's needed, it's necessary, and it's not just about Jews. Before we get through, it's about us. Everything in the Bible is about us in some way or other. We can learn from it. And so, Nehemiah chapter 13, verse 23, is where we left off. Not sure what other... We only have one more book left, and that's Proverbs of the three we've been going through, and uh, but uh, maybe if you've got a favorite book, we can look at that. Verse 23 of Nehemiah 13, the Bible said, In those days also saw I Jews that had married wives of Ashdod, of Ammon, and of Moab, and their children spake half in the speech of Ashdod and could not speak in the Jews' language, but according to the language of each people. And I contended with them and cursed them and smote certain of them and plucked off their hair and made them swear by God saying, Ye shall not give your daughters unto their sons, nor take their daughters unto your sons, or for yourselves. Did not Solomon, king of Israel, sin by these things? Yet among many nations was there no king like him, who was beloved of his God. And God made him king over all Israel. Nevertheless, Even him did outlandish women cause to sin. Shall we then hearken unto you to do all this great evil, to transgress against our God in marrying strange wives? And one of the sons of Jehoiada, the son of Elisha, the high priest, was son-in-law to Sanballat the Horonite. Therefore, I chased him from me. Boy, I like this guy. (laughs) Remember them, O my God, because they have defiled the priesthood and the covenant of the priesthood and of the Levites. Thus cleansed I them from all strangers and appointed the wards of the priests and the Levites, every one in his business, and for the wood offering at times appointed, and for the first fruits. Remember me, O my God, for good. Well, the first thing we see in our text as we start in verse number 23, the sin of wrong marriages. The sin of wrong marriages. Verse 23, in those days also saw I Jews 
that had married wives of Ashdod. How many of you recall that Ashdod is one of the chief cities of the Philistines? We know the Philistines are the blood-sworn enemies against Israel, do we not? How would you like Goliath for your father-in-law? How would you like the very enemies of God to be a part of your family? Well, what I'm preaching tonight is, if you're not careful, that's exactly what will happen in our families. Because it happened in the nation of Israel. They married wives of Ashdod, the the very antithesis of what the people of God were. Now they're marrying those people and they're intermarrying the Philistine bloodline. In those days also saw I Jews that had married wives of Ashdod, of Ammon and of Moab. Now you remember these things of Ammon and Moab. We even dealt with it in verse 1 of the same chapter if you'd look there. On that day they read in the book of Moses in the audience of the people and therein was found written that the Ammonite and the Moabite should not come to the congregation of God forever. And we talked about those were the offsprings of of Lot and his wickedness and all that. And, and it was not just because of that that he told them that they had to stay out, but, but because the Bible says they met not the children of Israel with bread and water, but hired Balaam against them. And so we dealt with all that of how they were against the will of God in his people's lives. And, and so God put, put, put some qualifications on them to stay away from those of Ammon and Moab. And here they're marrying these people that God told them not to marry and that they had promised in chapter 10 that they would not marry. And so you've got all this intermarriage. You've got Jews marrying Ashdodites, Jews marrying Ammonites, Jews marrying Moabites. And it's getting to where you can't tell who the people of God are because they're just all mixed with all the people of the land. Now, I realize what I'm saying somebody could pick apart, and maybe on the website and all that, they'll, you know, it'll be the clickbait when they see the sin of intermarriage and they won't read the title very carefully. But, but the truth is, this is, this is, very, this is tr- very serious for us today. Because he says down in verse 26. Did not Solomon, king of Israel, sin by these things? So he's letting them know that it is a sin to marry wrong. Who you have chosen to marry, this is a sin against God. And it's the same sin that Solomon had committed in his life. You're not supposed to marry these people. The Bible said in verse number 26, Did not King Solomon, king of Israel, sin by these things? Yet among many nations was there no king like him. Here is a king that no king was like Solomon. Is that not right? No king like him. I mean, he's, he's the richest. He's the most powerful. I mean, Solomon's kingdom is a lot greater than David's kingdom. In wealth, in power, in prestige and in prominence. The Bible says no king like him. Look look at your verse, verse 26. Who was beloved of his God. God loved Solomon. I mean, that was from his very birth. God said, I love that boy. 
even gave him a name that, that means beloved of the Lord with Jedediah. God had a special love for Solomon. He was beloved of his God. And God made him king over all Israel. Nevertheless, would you watch how your Bible reads? Nevertheless, even him. Do you see that in your Bible? Even him did outlandish women cause to sin. Even him, the wisest man. Even him. And the sin that was the downfall of Solomon. Now his kingdom continued, but because of his sin, the judgment of God happened in the next generation of his life. Because of his sin. And what was his sin? He married somebody God didn't want him to marry. Matter of fact, he married a whole bunch of somethings God didn't want him to marry. Go to 1 Kings 11. We'll just read that. Do you know why you're turning there, 1 Kings 11? Do you know just because God loves you deeply doesn't mean that he's going to excuse your sin? God loved Solomon deeply, but he didn't excuse his sin. He didn't overlook it. Solomon was such a special, God-given treasure to Israel, but God would not look over his sin. And his sin was, 1 Kings 11, verse 1, but, oh, that's a big conjunction. With all the things you can say about Solomon. But King Solomon loved many strange women. Do you know there are some strange people that are still out there? Matter of fact, I can't go to the store without seeing how strange people are. If you don't see the people in this world as strange, then you're strange. God called them strange women. Why? Because they're not in God's economy. They're not a part of God's people. They don't have the lives and the thoughts and the morality and the beliefs. that, that They have strange doctrines and, and strange ideas and strange lifestyles that should be strange to the people of God. But Solomon's attracted the strange women. You know, if you're not careful, you'll be attracted to things that are strange too. He says, but King Solomon loved many strange women together with the daughter of Pharaoh. Women of the Moabites. Oop, I read that over there in Nehemiah. Ammonites. read that over there in Nehemiah. Edomites, Zidonians, and Hittites. Of the nations concerning which the Lord said unto the children of Israel, Ye shall not go in to them, neither shall they come in unto you. Watch it. For surely they will turn away your heart after their gods. Solomon clave unto these in love. But I love them. But I'm in love. Yeah, well, you've got somebody bigger you're supposed to love. You're beloved of the Lord. You need to love Him first. You know one of the sins of our age is people loving somebody more than they love God. 
Because in our society, love is the chief ideal. And when they mean that, they mean Disneyland. I would start singing Disney songs, but I can't stand them, so I'm not going to sing them. I just, I just want to, I just want to be in love. You don't want to be in love with the, with a strange woman or a strange man. You say, preacher, I, I, I'm, I'm married to somebody that's saved. And this is, I, I can take a break tonight. No, you can't take a break because you know what? You got kids. You know what else you got? Some of you got grandkids. The Bible says, Ye shall not go into them, neither shall they come into you, for surely they will turn away your heart after their gods. Solomon clave unto these in love. If, we, if you marry the wrong person, he, they will turn your heart away from God. Verse 3, And he had 700 wives, princesses. Well, you'd think that had been enough. 700 wives? We didn't stop there. And 300 concubines. You know, it never is enough, is it? It never is enough. It never is enough in society. Immorality is... Ne- Look, and he married... It's not like he's just shacking up with people. He's not these Hollywood actors going from bed to bed. That, he's marrying these people. He is the polygamist of all polygamists. Thousand women taking care of all of them. That's not too wise. Well, I just need one more. She's a different size. I'll take that one. She's a different color. I'll take that one. Do you see what's going on? Boy, look at that one from that country. I've never seen them like that before. I've got to have me one of those. Attracted to everything that is, I tell you what, attraction is so dangerous. And he just picks one after another. I don't think Solomon sat down and wrote down and said, I want to marry a thousand women. I don't think, well, marry 700 and then have the other 300 is half-wives. I don't think he, he sat down. By the way, you know what you ought to tell people in, in your family or relatives or, or people that you know or friends that shack up? Well, you, you need to go to the guy that's in the relationship or go to the woman that's in the relationship and said, said how does it feel to be a concubine? <laughs> well, wouldn't, it, wouldn't it be different if we got back to talking what God talks? Yeah. Tell me what it's like being a concubine. What's a concubine? Well, you, you fulfill all the role of a marriage individual, but you don't have all of the, the, uh, the, the, uh, the what? Privileges. Thank you, brother. All the privileges of a marriage. Concubines. 700. 
And the Bible says it caused him to sin against his God. Verse number 4, for it came to pass when Solomon was old. Now what's that in your Bible? That his wives turned away his heart after, uh, uh, after other gods. And his heart was not perfect with the Lord his God as was his heart, as was the heart of David his father. You know what I think? I think that for a while Solomon figured out how to handle all that. He had all these women and he was still worshiping only God. But then when he got old, he couldn't hang on to his convictions. When he got older, he couldn't toe the line with what he said he always believed. For it came to pass when Solomon was old that his wives turned away his heart after other gods. Verse 5, For Solomon went after Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Zidonians, and after Milcom, the abomination of the Ammonites. And Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord and went not fully after the Lord. As David, you, know, you know what happened? You know what happened? That, girl, that girl's in there and she said, Honey, come on, just go down to the temple with me one time. If you really love me. Just go down where I pray. Don't you love me, sweetheart? Well, sure I love you. Well, come on. Look, if you really loved me, you'd go with me. He said, all right, I'll go down there. Start worshiping false gods. And outlandish women, women outside of the land of Israel, outlandish women caused him to sin. He married women outside the land. They were from the wrong place. They were from the wrong religion. They were from the wrong race. They, everything was wrong about them. Because the Jewish people were supposed to marry the Jewish people. And that integration was the devil's plan. Now don't, don't get tense on me. If you watch too much TV, you'll get tense on me. The plan of the devil is to integrate everything. To bring it all together. There's no restrictions. There's no boundaries. There's no lines of demarcation. The Antichrist is what he does. He's, a, he's the Bible in giving us that beast of Revelation 13. He just integrates everything. All religions, no religions, all races, all peoples. Let's just get them all together. No people that are peculiar in their own right. And God warned the children of Israel about that. Abraham and, and uh, uh, the, or the, excuse me, the Bible talks about Isaac when he was telling his uh, children to marry. He says, thou shalt not marry. Don't marry the daughters of the Canaanites. Isaac told that to Jacob. And of course Esau married the wrong people. And, 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 and the Edomites were people that... You know, he said, Jacob have I loved, Esau have I hated. All that integration with that which is wrong. Do you know, let me read you this, so just so you'll have it in your back pocket as ammunition. Get Deuteronomy 32. Because I tell you what, the, look guys, Deuteronomy 32 and Acts chapter 17. Whether you know it or not, what the devil is trying to do is just get everybody together and erase all the lines of differences. And I tell you what, as the church of Jesus Christ, we could not be more different than the people of the land. 
God even said this. It's not wasn't just for the children of Israel only. It was for the benefit of the entire human race. He said in Deuteronomy chapter 32 and verse number 8. Deuteronomy 32, 8. When the Most High divided to the nations their inheritance, when He separated the sons of Adam, He set the bounds of the people according to the number of the children of Israel. You know what that says? God set boundaries for each of the nations to stay in those boundaries to develop their own culture, their own society, and their own people. I'll read it to you again in the New Testament, Acts 17. Acts chapter 17, the Bible says in verse number 26, Acts 17, 26, And hath made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on all the face of the earth. Watch it now. And hath determined the times before appointed and their and the bounds of their habitation that they should seek the Lord if happy they might feel after Him and find Him though we be not far from every one of us. God says this, He had boundaries for all the nations of the world and He, he wanted these nations to stay in their separate places and seek Him there in their place and yet we live in a day now where where they're trying to erase every boundary and i say it's a tool of the devil and ultimately the antichrist to do it and this is an illustration of it in the old testament with the people of israel go back to our text he said in nehemiah chapter 13 look at verse look at verse number three of Nehemiah 13. Nehemiah 13, 3. Now it came to pass when they had heard the law that they separated from Israel all the mixed multitude. You see that? So they're having mixed marriages. He, he says in verse number 27, shall we hearken unto you to do all this great evil to transgress against our God and marrying strange wives? They have strange marriages. They have mixed marriages. And God says it was a great evil. It was a transgression. Because God told them not to do that. He told them to marry their own kind. Their own kind. You know what the plan of the devil is? To have these young people marry somebody that's not like them. That's his plan. And the New Testament principle of that is very plain. Get 1 Corinthians 7 and 2 Corinthians. Because the command is still to us. We're not Jews, but we're part of the family of God. And God tells us the same thing. Marry your own kind. And if you don't, there will be ramifications that you can't even dream of. He says in 2 Corinthians chapter... Six, Second Corinthians chapter six and First Corinthians chapter seven. Second Corinthians chapter six. The Bible says in verse number fourteen, "Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers." Well, we do understand that a marriage is a yoke. It's two people getting in one yoke, two becoming one. That's a serious thing. He says, don't be unequally yoked together with unbelievers for what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? What communion hath light with darkness? There's no more deeper private communion than a man and a wife. How are you going to do that with somebody that is a child of, of darkness? And it worked out. 
Verse 15, what concord hath Christ with Belial, or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 7. He talks about a woman whose wife dies, and she's left, and she's a widow. And the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 39, The wife is bound by the law as long as her husband liveth, but if her husband be dead, she is at liberty... To be married to whom she will. What's the next four words? Only in the Lord. That is a great verse to talk to people about liberty. Every time the word liberty is in the Bible, there's always some restriction with it. Liberty is not just open-ended to do whatever you want to do. That's not what liberty is. Liberty is not a license for you to just do whatever you feel like. That's not. She says she's got liberty, whoever she wants to marry. But there is a qualification. She can only marry her own kind. She's got to marry in the Lord. She's got to marry another believer. You know what happens to people? Young people get interested in other young people before even understanding whether or not they are in the Lord or not. Because my first observation has nothing to do with the Lord. Marry whoever you want to marry, but they better be saved. And if they're not saved, you're in a heap of trouble. And you know what? If they're not saved, you're already out of church. You don't even know it. And your kids are already heathen, and you don't, and they, and you don't have no idea about it. It's hard enough, amen, to raise a family when both of them are married or both of them are saved. Let alone you got somebody always fighting against you that doesn't believe the Bible. It's a plague of our generation. Letting our kids grow up and just take off after whoever they... Like dogs sniffing each other. Marry your own kind. I'd say your own kind is even more than saved people. Do you know why our independent... And thank God we've got good attendance and God's blessed our church and we ought to thank Him for it every day. But do you know why independent Baptist churches are dying and getting slimmer and slimmer and closing their doors. And people that believe like we do are getting fewer and fewer and fewer because our children that come up out of our churches are marrying people that don't believe what we believe. You say, well, they'll bring them in. Fat chance. If a miracle happens, it'll be a miracle. But that's not the pattern of the Bible. This message is not just finishing out Nehemiah. It's also to help our hearts to understand what is going to happen if, if we don't protect the institution of marriage. You know what a mixed marriage is? We used to call mixed marriages a lot of things. But amen. But when God's in the New Testament calling mixed marriage, He's talking about mixing saved people and lost people. But I tell you what, you know what? I, you don't even know. People are mixing gender now. Do you see where we are? When I say marry your own kind, I ain't talking about your own kind of your gender. Matter of fact, some people get married today, I don't even know if they know what they're marrying. 
What, what if he is not a he but a she? And what if she is not really a she but he's a he? And he don't know that she's not a she but she's a he. It's so mixed up you don't even know where people are. What if a homosexual marriage really isn't a homosexual marriage? Because one of them's changed. Cuckoo. Mixed strange. You talk about strange marriages? You say, praise God, we live in Ardmore. Happens every day. And you're sitting here right here, right here this, this evening. You and I are sitting right here this evening and said, that never happened to my child. That never happened to my grandchild. You better think twice. You better think twice. You don't have any idea how powerful the devil in this world system is. And if we don't get some reality down in our children, there's no telling where they're going to wind up. So I say... Independent Baptist people ought to marry independent Baptist people. Right. Well, I can't find any. I'd rather my girls not be married to anybody than a freak or a jerk. I'll never forget somebody told, God told me a long time ago, he had been through a divorce. He said, I'll tell you what. He said, uh, it's, it's better not to be married at all than be married to somebody you don't want to be married to. I'm glad God gave a good independent Baptist girl to my son. I remind him of that all the time. Amen. So how are we going to do that? I don't know. We'll we'll, we'll just do it. Miss Marcia Farley, she said, said, uh, how's Benjamin doing? This is years and years ago. I said, he's doing all right, but he hadn't found a wife yet. Brother Farley said, that's a good one. We were just sitting in the car. You know who he pointed to? Her! Well, I said, who's that? That was years ago. She was probably 17 or 18 years old. So this is the results of not marrying right. Go back to your text in Nehemiah 13. Verse 24, and their children. Their children. The bad result is not just the bad result between the husband and the wife in this wrong marriage. The the very sad result are the children that are in this marriage. Their children spake half in the speech of Ashdod and could not speak in the Jews' language, but according to the language of each people. The children, don't, they don't even know Hebrew. They don't even know the language of the Bible. They don't even know how to speak in, in, in the congregation of Israel. They don't even know what the priest is saying. They, they don't even know what, what Ezra's reading from the Bible. They, they don't even know the language. Because they're in this intermarriage that, that one side doesn't know anything about God. It's almost like, and I'm not trying to get political here at all, so don't misunderstand me. It's almost like what's trying to happen in our, our culture 
where, where, where all the Hispanic people come across the border and they don't learn English. And then pretty soon, you know, you get commercials and stuff on your phone. And, and pe- Come on, help me out. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not being racial about this at all. If they keep coming here, we'll start a Hispanic church. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying it, the, the problem with not speaking the language living in a country is a problem. You can't function in the society like you're supposed to function. And that's one thing if you can't function well in America and if there's, if there's a different culture, ideology that's brought here and, and there's no real uh, learning of this culture, that, that's a problem in itself. But it's a whole different thing when you lose the culture and language and understanding and values of God. And they don't even know the lingo. If our kids marry wrong... Their children won't even know how to worship God. You know what? When somebody reads out of a phony Bible, I don't even have to see it. Immediately my ears say, that ain't right. Because it's the wrong language. It's the wrong speech. Anybody with me? Nobody. Have, do you know why that is? Because my mother and father put the language of God in my life. And I can spot it when that's not right. I don't know what that is, but that, that, that's not God's language. But you start mixing all that in the next culture, they, they, they don't know. And it's not just about the King James Bible. There's some things that I know, man, God's not in five miles of that. That's not the language of a Christian. That's not a lifestyle of someone that believes and lives the Bible. But when you're not exposed to that, you can't even speak the language. You can't even understand the precepts. Because you were brought up in a home that was halved and you got the wrong half. They influenced. You say, well, we'll influence the heathen. No, the heathen have influenced them and the children have come out in that regard. When it comes to sin, they'll influence the next generation. And listen, listen, church, we're losing a whole generation that do not know God's speech, that do not understand the Bible way of life. And it's all because the wrong people were let into wrong relationships. And so they go a different way. The sin of wrong marriages, the results of wrong marriages, and then lastly, how about the reaction to wrong marriages? How did Nehemiah react to this? Verse 25. And I contended with them. Well, the first thing he did was contend with them. The Bible tells us to earnestly contend for the faith. You know, contention's not always wrong. It can be right. We need to contend with what's wrong. We need to fight against what is wrong. The Bible tells us that they that forsake the law praise the wicked, but such as keep the law contend with them. Nehemiah begins to contend with them. He's not just going to let it go by. We, we, we are so, we're too passive. You know why we're passive? We're trying to save a relationship. 
You know, you can love people that aren't doing right that are in your family, but that doesn't mean you're passive and that you give up your values and you quit saying what God says. You can still contend with them. That's wrong. I love you, but that is wrong. And people can't do that anymore. You know why? Because they're worried more about that relationship than the truth. Nehemiah contended with That's wrong. It's not that he hated them, not that he was cruel. It's that he was going to be true to his God and true to the Bible. It doesn't matter if it's, if, it's, if it's my child. It doesn't matter if it's my family. It doesn't matter if it's my friends. If it's wrong, it's wrong. He says, contend with them. Quit, quit just letting everything go. That's how you lose a generation. You say, well, they're already lost. Well, let them be lost over your dead body. Fight the good fight of faith. Let them step over you to do it. What's the reaction to the wrong marriage? Boy, this is rough. He contended with them. Verse 25, he's not, he's not stopping there. He said, I contended with them and cursed them. He said, preacher, it's never wrong to curse anybody. Well, he did. You can ask him when you get to heaven. You know why I think he cursed them? Look at chapter 10. I, I think this is why. Nehemiah chapter 10, the Bible says in verse number 28, 29, Nehemiah 10, 29, they claved to their brethren, their nobles, and entered into a what? Entered into a curse. You know why he cursed them? Because they had already entered into a curse that they weren't going to do this. So he said, you're cursed. You know why? Because by their own mouth they were cursed. He said they weren't going to do it. So he cursed them. I tell you what, we, we hardly can't get angry about anything anymore. Well, he contended with them. He cursed them. I'm not finished. Verse 25. I contended with them and cursed them and smote certain of them. He's popping them. Did you marry that Philistine? Yeah. Bang! He's, no, no, wait, he's not a pastor. Some, some guy that really don't know how to apply the Bible. Praise God, I'm going to start hitting people. Come. You're not the governor. He's the governor, you understand? He can not only hit people, he can throw them in jail. He can even have them executed. He's not just a church member going around hitting people. Don't do that. Not a brawler. You're not... The weapons of our warfare aren't carnal. <laughs> They're mighty through God. You say, well, what can I learn from this? I can learn. He's pretty serious about this if you start and hit people over it. God doesn't want us to hit people. You know what He also doesn't want us to do? Be so passive that we give up what's true and right. We can't even speak to people or stand our ground or be what God wants us to be because we're afraid we'll lose a relationship. He contended with them. He cursed them. He smote certain of them. Well, he's not through. I want to see Joel Osteen preach this verse. (laughs) I contended with them and cursed them and smote certain of them and plucked off their hair. 
He pulled their hair out. Now, he didn't say plucked off their beard. He plucked off their hair. Guys, I've only seen people's hair be pulled out once in my life. I'll never forget it. I was in high school. In public high school. These two black girls went at it. I've never seen so much hair flying in all my life. I didn't even know hair would come out. I'm talking about handfuls. They had each other and they each other by the hair and they were throwing and whole handfuls of hair. You talk about the anger and the violence. I saw that and I said, boy, I tell you what, I'm not getting in on that fight. <laughs> hair's flying. When people's hair's coming out, you know somebody is upset. Guys, when we fight, you know, we, we, we I've never seen a guy pulling out somebody else's hair. By the, do you know how much force it takes to pull somebody's hair out of their head? I mean, some of you know, you pluck those little gray hairs out. Talk about a whole head, a whole head full of hair. Nehemiah, he is pulling people's hair out of their head. I'd say he's pretty serious about it. Well, I don't know. I just don't want to make any waves. I don't want anybody to think that I'm unkind or unloving. The man is pulling people's hair out. At least you could do is get upset enough to pray and to stand up for Jesus. And nobody stood up. I don't think you love me, Nehemiah. Let me pull out another hook of hair. You know, he really did love them. Because he's going to do whatever it takes to save the ruination of their families. Now you tell me what's more cruel. To stand around and watch a whole generation being lost to the devil or getting a little bit violent to try to stop the attack and destruction of the devil. Which is more cruel? Well, he's not finished. I contended with them and cursed them, smote certain of them, plucked off their hair, and made them swear by God. I said, who can I pick on? Come here, David. I can pick on you. I can see this just as clear as day. I can see, I can see Nehemiah grabbing this. Swear by God! Say it! I will not take a daughter of the... Say it! Swear that you won't let your child do that. Swear you won't. Swear it. Do you see that? Made them swear. Now the sad thing is, they'd already swore they wouldn't do it before. Guys, but he at least he's trying. <laughs> he makes them swear by God, and then the Bible says in verse number twenty-eight, "I'm trying to finish." 
One of the sons of Jehoiada, the son of Elisha, the high priest, was son-in-law to Sanballat the Horonite. Therefore, I chased him from me. He's contending with them. He cursed them. He smote certain of them. He plucked off their hair. He made them swear by God. And now he's chasing people. Now, what? I don't know what he's going to do if he catches them. But I wouldn't want that guy to catch me. I'm getting out of here. Wouldn't it be good if we were so zealous for God, amen, that these people that are destroying the truth would run away? Because they mean business. I chased him from me. Who is he chasing? The son of Elisha, the high priest, who married Sanballat, the Horonite's daughter who was the sworn enemy of Israel in this first part of this book. And so the high priest said, well, you know, it's my, it's my son. It's my son, so I, I guess I'll accept it. You know, guys, I read something by Alan Redpath and Nehemiah on this text, and he said this. He said, listen to this, listen to this. This really grabbed my heart. He says, to be faithful to God, you will have to break the heart of someone. And the reason that people are so unfaithful, they don't want to break somebody's heart. They don't want to break a child's heart or a friend's heart or a girlfriend's heart that they shouldn't have or a boyfriend's heart they shouldn't have. But he said it's better to break anybody's heart than God's. And the heart that was broken here was God's heart and this high priest gave an exception for his family and he was perverting the priesthood And Nehemiah had to cleanse. He said, cleansed I in verse 30. He cleansed the wards. He cleansed the priesthood. He cleansed the Levites and set it back as God wanted to. But look, if if somebody would have said, you know, I love you. You're my child. But this is going to break your heart. But this is not allowed. Because I'm not going to break God's heart. And he says this, Nehemiah closes his book and he says, Remember them, O my God. Remember what all these people have done. But he says, Remember me, O God, for good. And I want to say this about Nehemiah and give him a little salute. That he was faithful to the end. From the palace to the very last mention of him, He's trying to do good for his God and do good for the people of God. And he finishes his race. He's faithful to God. And it didn't matter if it was the high priest's boy. And it didn't matter how hard it hurt. And it didn't matter how ostracized him and made him look. He was going to be faithful to his God and faithful to the people of God. And I want to tell you, church, we need more Nehemiah. Because we've got a generation coming that doesn't even know the language.